There's a crime. There's a crime and you're looking into it for us because everyone else is crooked. But you'll find the truth. I've got confidence in you. I do. I think you have great potential. I'm good at seeing potential. I can look at a man and see what a lot of people don't. A lot of people see the same thing. But what I see in you, no one else but me sees. Rorschach, Volume 1. Written by Tom King. Art by Jorge Fornes. Colors by Dave Stewart. In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Comic Exposure Podcast. My name is Josh Buckley. And uh, my podcast, uh, Psychosis in, in no, I, I had something and I lost it. I had I had something I was going to go for. Uh, my squid-brained friend is the one, the only. You see a squid. I see two clowns making out. Travis Rats here. <laughs> well, on the Comic Sports Podcast, where Travis and I dive deep into graphic novels and trades. Or what's going on in the world of pop culture comic book stuff. You, my friends, are on a delicious comic book club episode. We've had a couple and in a row. More than we usually know, break these this, up with variants. We're just, there's so many good stuff. No, so we, much we good just stuff to read. we found we like I don't know what it is. I think have we found a mojo again? Have we found some things uh, to read that are as Ace Freely once said, "I'm back, boo, back in the comic groove." Yeah, awesome. for sure. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're 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 in this thing. We're in it to win it. And on this episode, we are reading the DC Black Label book Rorschach, written by Tom King, art by Jorge Fornes, and colors by the ever amazing Dave Stewart on this bad boy. And uh, let's see, is there anyone else I can credit? Did someone do the lettering? Yeah, Clayton Cowles. I think he letters everything. Does Clayton the lettering Cowles. on this? Clayton Cowles. And then we can't forget to say Watchmen. Lettering uh, is actually pretty impressive on this, so I'm glad you shouted out Cl- old, good old Clayton. Good old Clayton Cowles. And we can't forget that Watchmen is created by uh, uh, Dave Gibbons and uh, the the uh, the ever Ooh, you gave wizard. Dave, Dave Gibbons first credit billing on that the, one, huh? The, the ever wizardly. I wanted to end with the uh, ever wizardly Alan Moore. Like a uh, film the, by before the end of, before this podcast begins? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're reading Rorschach today, and this is one of those things where uh, Watchmen is a dense, much loved, much sort of like coveted book in comics. We have never done we've never done a Watchmen episode, have we? I don't think we ever read Watchmen for. Do the we podcast. not read Watchmen? I don't think we read it for the podcast. I think. I've read it, but I don't think we've ever read it for the podcast. You might be right. You might be right. It's so hard to think of. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't. Maybe I'm gonna take your word for it because I can't. I, I can't remember what we would have discussed about it. I'm sure it would have been like. <laughs> well, I know that we. I know that we did. Um, we read Dark Knight Returns. We Dark we, Knight Returns, yeah. but I don't think we read. I don't think we read Watchmen. We're not going to read the Watchmen either. We're not. Gonna, I, we'll no. read it. We've read it, but we're not going to talk about. Yeah. it. there's so much Watchmen talk already. Right. And and what are we two uh, dudes going to say about Watchmen that hasn't already been said? But we wanted we wanted to read. I, I saw this was coming out. I think I read the first one in singles, and I was like. Oh, this has to be saved for when it's all out. I I can't. I read that first issue and I was like, I can't read this in singles. You can't. You're not going to be able to keep that information in your head from. I could. I I knew I wasn't going to be able to do it, and so I knew that it was a black label book. I knew that Tom King always he has these sort of like premium books that come out and so oh you I'm got like, the hardcover okay. that does look nice oh it does i look did nice. i got the hardcover it looks nice it the actual cover is like a a, a sort of like a watchman it's a rorschach mask and it's like textured so it's almost it kind of looks like the cottonwood That's on nice. his mask uh so i Mr. got Cotton. it 
Mr. Kata, we've been we've we've been reading a lot of books that I've been doing digitally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, save for the one thing for um, uh, this, the Brewbreaker and Phillips, where I got one hardcover out of the three. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I want this in hardcover. I, I I love Tom King as a writer. I will read anything he puts out. Uh, Jorge Fornes is a great artist. Dave Stewart is an amazing colorist. So I was like, I want it. I want it so I can hold it you in my hands while I read it in bed. Yeah. Yeah. So we're reading this book and I want to start, Travis, I want to start our conversation with, since this is in the Watchmen universe, I I don't, I guess the easiest way to say what this book is about, and I don't want to spoil it too much for people who haven't read it, but there's going to be some spoilers, but I don't want to give the giant synopsis. I, I think, yeah, I think I what we I, say, actually, this is a book that I don't think it's about any particular event so it's one that you could talk about and not really spoil this isn't like oh if you hear this then it yeah which is really rare in comics so essentially it follows it's in the watchman universe it's in the future uh president redford is president and there is a 30 years 30 years after like the watchman events yeah And, and there's an assassination attempt and for some reason the person who is trying to one of the would be assassins is dressed up like Rorschach and his prints somehow match Rorschach's prints. Yeah. Although there's no way he would Kovac. be dead. You know, he's dead. Yeah. They know he's dead. There's no way it could be him. And so there is an investigation by the campaign to find out who is behind this political intrigue. Yeah, the campaign hi- style yeah, hires mystery. a objective detective. Uh, the objective detective is my rap name. The objective uh, detective. It's very <laughs> like good, Ames, right? Yeah. It's like me and and uh, um, I'm on uh, De- I'm in De La Soul, and it's like the objective detective, and you know that is fantastic. And you can wear that brown trench coat, a la Constantine and Rorschach style. That's like great. one of your favorites. Don't you want? Uh, side note: Wouldn't life be great if you had a career? If I that negated, if I lived in a place, yes. Yeah, if I that, lived in a one, I lived in a place that allowed me to wear a trench coat because of the weather, and two, it wouldn't be weird for me to wear a big or creepy, tan trench yeah. coat. Yes, it would be part of the job. Yeah. Is that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah, that right. is the dream. Because you all, no one, <laughs> you always look cool. So yeah. I, this this is a book, political intrigue. It floats in that world. We're gonna hit a lot of the stuff on it, a lot of pieces that hit in it. But it's really hard to give this synopsis except to say that we live in a future world where people did believe that there was a squid attack. And there are people who still believe that the squids will return and they will come to kill more people. And that really plays into this. And if you watch the Watchmen series on HBO, that is canon as far as this goes. It feels mm-hmm. like it's it, canon. It feels like it's happening. They even, yo, go ahead. You were about to say it. They, they yeah, they mentioned what happens in Tulsa. They mention sort of the uh, that other people are wearing the Rorschach mask, which is part of what's happening in, you know, what happened in Tulsa. Right. Mm. So that same sort of thing. And it really does. Vietnam is a state of the United States. Right. Like all of these things are are present in the world of Watchmen. All of those things keep stay here. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk Watchmen. Travis, right. when is the last time? I mean, I want to start with that. When's the I've, last time you read, read Watchmen? Watch, I have Watchmen somewhere in this house. I read it one time. Uh, I was either just finishing college or right out of college. So I was in my uh, early, early 20s and uh, loved it. In fact, it was one of those one of the things that really juiced me into getting back into comics uh, and picking up uh, the some of these classics and trade forms from time to time. Yeah, really loved it. It made me go back and read some of my favorites again. Uh, and then I haven't I haven't been back and and read it uh, in its entirety. Uh, at some point in those my my twenties, the movie came out, and that was you know a lot of those scenes are shot for shot, you know, minus the yeah. ending. So yeah. that was kind of a nice like, oh yeah, I remember that. I like that. I might have gone and tried to read after watching the movie, like got through half of it. And then I just put it aside because there's always so much Watchmen talk in the comic culture. It feels like even though I haven't reread it, I'm constantly aware of what things are happening in in it, you know? Right. Uh, it's, like, and I and I think when was it? Was it five it was probably five years ago when they when before Watchmen came out? Remember the big yeah, hubbub around yeah. DC launching a series of the Doomsday Clock uh, was was being books. brought well, into the 
Doomsday Clock was a couple years was a couple years ago, and that never really went anywhere. But yeah. So the first that, four Watchmen was like these characters before the events in the nineteen eighties, and yeah, then the Doomsday Clock yeah. was their attempt to bring them into the DC universe, right? The current DC did. universe. Yeah. That, right. And so for me, I read it more recently. Uh, I don't know. This is this is a pretty new copy of of Watchmen. Um, it was one that I had not read when I was younger. Right. It mm. was. I was too. I was too nor young. Should have. I mean, uh, nor should have. Uh, well, it, no, it came out in nineteen. It came out in nineteen eighty two. No, but I, was, I mean, like, I was born have, in nineteen eighty two. Would you have really appreciated it at sixteen? No, maybe. Probably, probably, maybe. I don't know. But for me, like, I, it's a, it, it's it feels kind. It feels a very sort of punk rock comic book, right? If you think about the idea of like, I mean, Judge Dredd, that that eight, you know, that um. The twenty, what? Why can't I think? Twenty thousand AD, or yeah, yeah, yeah. the British, the British writers of that time. It's very, very British, right? I mean, it is. It's Alan. It is Alan Moore, right? Uh, So I probably, I probably, I don't know that I would have understood it as much as reading it as I think I read. I read it in my thirties, right? So probably it would have given you punk rock clout for sure as a teenager. Yeah. When when we started, when we started reading this show again, when we started doing this show, and I started reading comic books again, I'm like, all right, I'm going to read it. I've never read it. Right, I think I probably read it the same time that we did Dark Knight Returns. I remember you reading this now. I think I remember you going through this and you were talking about it. And I think there's a reason we didn't do on the podcast now. Right after you're reading it, it's not that I don't. I it's not that I don't like it. It's just what do you say about it that hasn't been said a million other times? Right, and when all you've read as a kid who grew up in the '90s was sort of superheroes living real life in gritty superheroes. Like when you read this after everything you've read has been based on this, you're kind of like, Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I know what it is. Right. Yeah. So that's a tough part. The but wire, really the, the show, the wire is, is having that kind of issue right now too. Everyone loved the wire. Right. And it was so revolutionary. And now you go back and watch the wire. Like, I don't know. It's kind of, Hack. Well, it's not hack because it was the original. No, it was original. But I have, I also have uh, Shitty Watchmen, which is a collection of artists who took page for page versions of Watchmen and did really crap fast drawings of Watchmen. Like, no joke. They did their take on, I'm trying to find a, a page that's kind of, I want the page where he kills the dog because I think that that, if I remember correctly, that was kind of a fun one, but I can't find it in here. But anyways, essentially, it's it's just a bunch of like people's crappy drawings of Watchmen. Just a it. fun experiment, right? Um, I appreciate, though, what this book did and what the HBO show did is let's not do these characters. We're not going to go back and try to be these characters. We're not going to go back and tell stories with them. We're going to play in the world. I greatly appreciate it. Would be, it, it would the, be like fan fiction of fan fiction at that point. Because Alan right. Moore was using off-brand characters of off-brand characters. You know? Right. It's like... Rorschach it, is the question. It, yeah. And mean, the like, question is the DC equivalent that Champion Comics, you know, right. decided to do. And, <laughs> and so it, it's it's this bleed of a bleed of a bleed, right? And, and so... Um, but I really appreciate this concept of taking this world because the world of it, the world that Alan Moore and Gibbons build this idea of Vietnam going a different way, this idea of superheroes going, you know, going away and and all of these pieces of, of this is very interesting. That is an interesting world to play in. So I kind of like the idea of this. So when you think of Watchmen, Travis, what what's your takeaway? What do you remember about the yeah, book? Yeah, I'm gonna what go. You... I'm gonna go into like I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna jump forward. And I'm gonna go into my yeah. experience this week. So I had watched the okay, first yeah. episode of the series when it came out, and it just didn't stick with me. I'm like, okay, it seems it looks well done, and everyone's talking about it, but it just didn't stick. And when we were, I started reading this book on your suggestion, and I was like, oh, I'm having a hard time figuring out what's going on here, and I'm like, I feel like the tone of this book is very similar to that first episode of the series. And I text you, I'm like, is this very similar to like the series? Like, oh yeah. And so I was reading an episode and then watching an episode and reading. A, a oh, book. okay. So I was doing it in tandem. And so I really saturated myself in this Watchmen universe. And one of the things that I think, uh, Lin, Linenoff is the guy who, 
like was yeah. the producer of the show and King. What they're really good at is Watchmen. The story structure is so Alan Moore's head. Like that's what doesn't leave the Watchmen. I feel like that is the essential Watchmen. If you ever seen Alan Moore in an interview, he's all out there and it's like metaphysical stuff and a little bit of like the occult type thing and and certainly conspiracy theories. Uh, there's some yeah. documentaries out there that just don't make sense. Like with him talking, he just gets on to like it's like someone talking about Buddhism trying to explain to you and you're like, all right, <laughs> slow down, dude. Um, and then I realized that. You know, once I accepted, all right, I am in Alan Moore's realm of storytelling and how he connects things together, and these are two people paying homage to that, it was much easier for me to enjoy and go along for the ride and be excited about what The Watchmen had to offer. Otherwise, if I go into this as a traditionally structured comic or story, then I'm I'm constantly fighting against it. I'm constantly fighting against my expectations or what is precedent in the form. That does that any of that make sense, Josh? <laughs> no, I t- so I think I think what this does, and this I would be hard to have read this had I never read Watchmen, had I never watched the TV show, because you need the world, you need the world that was created in Watchmen in order to understand where this takes place. Right, you have to understand the politics of this. You have to understand the sort of like literally the ridiculous ending of Watchmen where the, you know, like uh, Asimondius like drops a, a, a squid that he created to make everybody think there's an alien invasion to end all of these problems on earth. Right. But I love the exploration of, yeah, everybody believes it, but it didn't actually solve anything. Right. right? Like it didn't do what you wanted it to do. And in fact, it's probably, it's created a myriad of other issues in the world, right? And I I love exploring that idea of what do politics look like after the squid invasion? What do... It looks what it's so people... topical, though, Josh, because we're, we're <laughs> living know. in it. We are living in, in both exist. the TV no, series, which came out before this huge uh, pandemic, where it brings yeah. out conspiracy theories, it brings out like is it, and if you believe yeah. and believed in it, like what's the good of it? Is it like oh look over here? Is there something we don't know? And this is yeah. to avoid that. You get very very Alec Jonesy. Uh, yeah. How like we Punisher just went through this big. We talk about iconography and the Watchmen yeah. is full of iconography, whether it be the smiling, bleeding, some uh, smiley face, the, yeah, the smiley uh, face, Doctor yeah. Manhattan's blue naked uh, genitals, or uh, Rorschach, of course, mask. Punisher has just recently removed yeah. its Punisher thing. We talk about iconography. How do you think Lindenoff, um put the Warshock mask into his series to make it gauche before other conspiratory uh, fringe groups could do so? Did he just get there I, quicker? I think, I don't think people use Rorsch. I think people, I think Watchmen is too, it's one Highbrow. One. And it's very highbrow for people to necessarily glom onto. And I don't mean that like, oh, it's highbrow. You can't read it unless I don't mean that. But I just mean like it's a weird, deep meta comic. Right. Mm. So it's not as easy to sort of misunderstand, I think, as like, oh, Punisher, he's got guns and he shoots people. I like guns and I want to shoot bad guys. Right. Skulls are badass, um, man. I don't know what that but is. I, it looks like a butterfly mask. Is that what he's got on a butterfly mask? But if you think about it. He's essentially take he's essentially it's a commentary on it feels like a commentary on Punisher, right? All these guys with the Punisher skull on the back of their truck, like, you know, like the the blue line and all that compared to all these people with Rorschach as their moniker for doing what needs to be done against, you know, the you know the scum of the earth right. you know, like what's that that first line in watchmen that is oh, just yeah. ridiculous the streets are right filled with uh scum washes the rain to the gutters of the streets yes it's Something just like ridiculous yeah, we it's always crazy, make fun right? of it it's always like oh, the I... go-to noir okay. joke uh no not that's it there's an, i can't i'm gonna have to it's find probably it, but second it's a or third rid- page uh narration yes. you should it's see the ridiculous. gutter yes um but it's it's one of those things where you go okay i totally get it um this is an easy thing to play that game with right there's again we're like 
taking this idea of Rorschach and what that means in this comic. And Rorschach is playing off a different comic book character. And now we've taken that comic book character and we're using it to play off a current comic book character. Rushing how we dolls, view, right? Right. And I really do. I'm curious why Rorschach? Why is he sort of the, why is he the thing we use in the Lindenoff book, I, I, our movie, our TV show, and this? Why Rorschach? My first instinct just on that question is Rorschach in the original Watchmen, from what I remember, and from the two incarnations of the Rorschach principle I've seen today, is Rorschach seemed to be someone who was uh, morally gray, but very definitive on what he believed justice was. So how he went about serving justice was morally great. It's not like Batman. Batman, you know, has his, you know, yeah. he's morally on the, the right side of things. But his right. was, if, you, if justice lines up to what Rorschach thinks justice, then he's a hero. If what Rorschach is doing because he thinks is justice is not what we, the reader, thinks is just, then he's the villain. So it's not right. about like him being a morally right character because he's he's not. He doesn't he doesn't care about morality. He just has a very strong sense of justice, but it's a very personal sense of justice. So um it's very easy to take that like like they do in the Watchmen's uh like what our characters, our two main characters in here are doing, and which we right. should probably take justice into their own hands, right? Yeah. So here I found the line. The dusk reeks of fornication and bad conscience yeah. bad consciences. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's so heavy-handed. It. it reminds me of shit like, I was writing when I was drunk at 23. <laughs> but it's like purposefully heavy-handed, right? Yeah. Like it's purposefully heavy-handed. And okay, so essentially the the book is this this idea that you've got this um sort of uh, militia raised backwoods girl. Right. Uh, we call who, the kid, Laura something. The kid. She's, we're going to refer to as the kid. Because she's yeah, dressed up like a cow, like a 1950s bandit cowgirl. Cowboy, yeah, bandit cowgirl. And what she has been doing and has done more than once mm -hmm. is convinced people that they are the, because her father convinced her that they're, that when yeah, everything happened, the, yeah. the, when the squid came, that Dr. Manhattan took the consciences of each of the superheroes and let them be reborn into someone else in order to battle the squids when they come back. Correct. Like it's crazy sounding yeah. because it literally is what you would hear on some deep weird, it's some deep state shit. It's very deep state. Like it's this very sort of strange thing that we've tied religion kind of the religion of these superheroes a religion of if dr manhattan could do what he does then he of course he could be able to do this let's watch my loose change youtube video about mm -hmm. you know and and so the kid convinces more than one person that they are the rorschach reborn and that to me is where this book really gets its legs underneath it so we before we uh we we introduced first, by you're a not strong, really sure there's a strong yeah. guy actually like this kind of like this vaudeville show and there's a strong guy going on there and they're interviewing him and you find out that yeah she convinced this guy um manipulated this guy or convinced him that because she might actually truly believe it uh i think she does uh that yes. that uh he is the reincarnation of rorschach and then once he is caught then the brilliant thing is, and this is where we get really meta, because yeah. we we should also mention that Frank Miller is a character. Could, Frank Miller is a character in this it's story. It's great. It's great. Uh, so essentially, the, so the he's kids, convinced yeah, that the, he isn't it. The kid. We should talk about who this is. The kids, uh, the other antagonist, protagonist, the sidekick of the kid, the guy who takes on the Rorschach mask, is a comic book creator who's been living in. Um, seclusion because he wrote he's the guy he wrote all those the the dark, pirate books yeah. that are through that Pontius pirate who are throughout the dark barge or like some of the black uh the black barge black yeah, freight so the black like, freighter yeah the black freighter who, is who, the... who you know wrote uh who made superhero instead of and this is a world where instead of superhero comics because superheroes exist there are pirate comics are all the rage right yeah. and so this is a failed pirate comic artist who then goes into making super sort of like crumb political yeah like like political sort of 
avant-garde underground books philosophical, about philosophical yeah, yeah yeah and and so this girl reads those books as a kid because her dad believes that he's sending that this artist is sending secret messages he's like and 70, he's like in his 70s old. yeah <laughs> yeah and she convinces then this shut-in guy after the big strong guy doesn't work out that the shut-in guy is the new rorschach yeah and so they take on this plot to assassinate the uh the um presidential candidate who's challenging president redford right it's good man and because it's 12 issues it's just long enough that there's a oh, slow God, burn the, it's a good burn yeah where and then it hits it's all yeah it's all about like well this is ridiculous there's no way this old comic book guy is going to get involved in here like that like how are you going to get to that point like how are you going to take me to yeah. that point where i don't realize i'm already there by the time it hits and yeah. so, like, when you get there, it all makes sense. You start believing the conspiracies. And that's what Alan Moore was good at. That's what Lindenoff <laughs> was good at. And now that's what Tom yeah. King's good at. They put you in the centrifuge and they spin you around. You're like, wait a minute. Are these Rorschach people the good guys? Or is the FBI the good guy? Is is it President Redford's the good guy? Who, who's the good guy in this? And does he really believe that? And then you get... This questioning at the end of is the is the detective he gets brainwashed and pulled into it when by, the, when the old guy dies is does Rorschach get in the in the magical realism of the book is it possible that the that the kid was correct and now Rorschach ha- is embodying this detective who happens or, to be the case. Or has she, or has he been convinced enough through what all of this planning and all this stuff that happened that no, he has to continue to carry out this which, plot that which it is, is the right thing to do. Brilliant because you're like this kid is so good because she was manipulated from a very young age. She's an expert yeah. manipulator. She does it to two guys that we know of, and then even in her death. She is right. able to convince a professional person who is supposed to be immune to manipulation. Yeah. That's how good she is. And I, this was such, it's such a fun world to play in. But and speaking it's of play, a, can I put a pause in there? I'm going to give yeah. it right back to you. But here's what I want, yeah. Josh. I, yeah. I want to ask you a question. I want to see if you're open to this. I know you're not yeah. a Halloween guy, but I think you and Gabby, old Rorschach and the kid. <laughs> <laughs> Rorschach and the kid. I think we can make it happen. That's the name of my next band, Rorschach and the kid. Go ahead. Uh, but I, like, I really do enjoy sort of, we're telling a story in the Watchmen world, but we're not using, I mean, we're using the Watchmen characters as in the fact that someone dresses like Rorschach, but it's not Rorschach. And, and we're playing with the consequences of Watchmen, of, of the events of Watchmen in a really interesting way, right? That people did, there are certain people who really did believe that this thing happened. And they're so worried that the government is covering up another invasion or because you know there isn't going to be one but we know that because we know what happened at the end of watchmen was created by ozymandias but they don't know that in the book so there's this this sort of irony that we have that they don't have and so you can see because we live in a world where people think that there are microchips in their vaccine that you're like oh shit people would do this Someone would try to assassinate And that's what Tom on, King what I mean? is so good at. He's good at taking the thing that you think is least important about a property and making it the highlighted thing. And yeah. he, he's done that with The Vision. He's done that with parts of things he's done in Batman, like elements of Batman. You think, like, you yeah. can remove this and it wouldn't make a difference. Oh, I'm going to remove it, and it's going to be the thing that you care about the most. Like, you're going right. to do a Watchmen book? I'm going to remove all the superheroes, and you're going to like it more than the Watchmen. It is really, really good. And I, look, Tom King is a he has he has mastered this twelve issue form. He just has. He knows how to tell this this limited series story. Get in, give you something mysterious, and and twist it a little bit, and then have the reveal happen at the end. And you're like, well, shit, I didn't see that coming, right? Or you're waiting for the big twist that doesn't happen and it's just been in front of you the entire time. He's a master at this 12-issue story. And I am, and he takes properties 
And he did this with Vision. He did Miracle this Man. with Strange Adventures. He did this with uh, Mr. Miracle. Mr. Miracle. Uh, and, and he's done this with Rorschach. And he's doing it. There's He's got a Supergirl book out right now that I have not read that I heard is very good. Um, you know, yeah, I, you know, it's almost like I need to. Tom King is a great canary in a coal mine. Like, I need you to go in there, Tom King, because I don't know. I don't. I'm not really interested in Supergirl. I need you to go ahead of me. I need you to go in there. I need you to figure out <laughs> what it is that's good about Supergirl and bring it back out to me. You know? Yes, and give it and mine it for him. Like he's a miner yeah. of like the interesting piece of the story. Um, like let's take Mister Miracle and say, you know. He can escape anything, but can he escape death? Right? right? Yeah, can he escape? Right. Can he escape depression? Right? I like that's do it, the. I want to do it for everything. We've been talking about reading Ghost Rider, but we've kind of been spinning our heels on it because there's not like a lot that's been championed with Ghost Rider. Tom King, go in there, write a Ghost Rider. That will be our first entree into the world. <laughs> <laughs> He's just. I, he, I. I cannot like. It's. It's a really well written story. I think my only criticism, and my only criticism is, it does this thing. And it can't be a criticism because it's tropey because this is what happens in Columbo. And this is what happens in any one of these sort of mystery things is the long form description of how I conned you or yeah. the long form description of what really happened. As so they I call the fables, be... the parlor room scene is what right. the guy and in I fables calls it. Yeah. And I can't piss on the parlor room scene because it's a trope of all of this. And he does it in a different way. He does it in... It's not really happening. It's the detective being told by the kid through his own sort of like imagination of her describing to him what happens, mm -hmm. right? Or maybe it's a bit of a shortcut, some, yeah, but it's part of the trope. Maybe it's some weird metaphysical thing, right? But in reality, it's a shortcut to instead of doing five more issues where he pieces it all together, we get this. And now I'm going to lay it out for you. Here's everything you've looked at the last 10 issues. And in the last two issues, I'm going to tell you how it all fits, how it all fit together. There's, and he does something that, that even Alan Moore did in Watchmen. Like they, in Watchmen, they're individual um, comics, but each of them, they kind of, they will slightly differ. Like there's one, I think it was like Fearful Symmetry in the original Watchmen. It's all about Rorschach and all the panels and everything was like kind of mirrored and stuff like that. Something like that, uh, if I remember correctly. And here... Uh, Tom King plays with that too. Like there's this one book where it's all pretty much letters between yeah. uh, uh, the comic such book good, writer. Such a good issue. And yeah, that's where you start to kind of, that's really starts to build their argument where you're like, okay, I see how she did this. There's another one where it's like, um, uh, you see him in the, you see him in the future and then you see him exploring the correct. scenes. And then you see what actually happened with the kid in Rorschach and the guy, the comic book writer in there. And I love it when, when storytellers within an arc of a series, a 12 issue arc, uh, there are certain issues that are like, I don't want to call them bottle episodes, but they're like, uh, in a sense of their technique is different than the rest of them. Yeah. Not that what they're saying isn't important, but the technique is different. So you can be like, Oh, issue eight in that run is like, comic book gold yeah. issue five yeah. he, no one's ever done that before i like right. that sense of it and it's it's kind of a really cool way to do it and to tell your story and you can see that if you were if this were a tv series how you could make that happen how you would do that but we don't normally see that in comic books because it's hard to tell two stories at the same time mm -hmm. because it can mess with your brain it does. Right. I because think Watchmen is a the original Watchmen is a very hard comic to read if you had not read comics before. Yes, uh, and so this was this. I really enjoyed the way he put this together. The story is really interesting. The ending is good. So my only my only sort of criticism would maybe be the sort of parlor room scene of it at the end. But how else do you wrap up this very dense thing, right? It is a political you, thriller. You, this is a political thriller. Right. You know, it's like Day of right. the Condor or, you know, like Woodsward and Bernstein, you know, like. Uh, yeah, you, you need you need that in here. And I, I think um, to to you had said something. Now I'm trying to remember. I want to I want to jump back to it. But now I don't know what it we're is. We're talking about form I, I uh, of the issues. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just think I just think like he's he's created. He's he's a really good writer. He's got a really great artist on this to just sort of play with the medium and tell a really interesting story. And he doesn't shy away from the trope of it. Of I mean, literally, what the dude kind of looks like a mix between 
Columbo and Robert Redford in, uh, you know, that water. Yeah. Water. Oh, you're talking about. Yeah. 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 All all the King's men. All the presidents. uh, Yes. All the presidents. It really falls into this sort of like, how are we, you know, it feels very. I love how like the world isn't our world. Right. So, I mean, this isn't in the seventies when this takes place, but everybody's dressed like the fashion and this, you go like, well, that's not our America, but it's America. And, you know, I really did enjoy all that, but here's what we got to talk about. We got to talk about Frank Miller being in this book. We got to talk about, I don't know how, like, I think it's a really interesting thing. So, you know, the, the seance tape they're listening to, mm-hmm. that is a real thing. Okay. That Explain. actually it is an actual thing that happened to Frank Miller when he was a kid, when he okay. was a young comic book artist. It is a real story that Frank Miller told Tom King, and Tom King takes that story of well, Frank Miller. Well, tell what Miller. the story is. What like what is the séance thing? So the séance is so it is a bunch of comic book artists, actual real comic book artists, were at this convention thing. One of them had lost his daughter, and so he was trying to do séances to hear his daughter in the tapes. It is a real thing that happened. And Frank Miller has told this story before to other creators and other comic book people. And so I love that Tom King takes this real live thing and says, how can I play with that? And so we get the comic book creator being sucked into his own medium, whether that's our fake comic book creator who is now kind of who drew these, you know, the pirate books who is now thinks he's Rorschach on top of Frank Miller being the really well-established pirate guy who wrote the famous Dark Fife Returns, right? Who wrote this comic book instead of Dark Knight Returns, Dark Fife Returns. This very sort of... Oh, I get it. I didn't need that, but I I like it. I appreciate it. Right? And so because they were... Because like... And he has the money to sort of be the bankroller for this because... They had this experience. He's Frank Miller. That tape. Well, and they've had, (laughs) and they both have this experience together with this tape. And what can you hear in the tape? And did you hear them say "kill"? You know what I mean? Like, it is, yeah. And so, it's. I don't know, man. It's it's this really interesting way to to as a comic book writer and the media. Watchmen itself is a meta commentary on comic books and the medium with the pirate book throughout with the idea of the deconstructing superheroes to them not being so super, but being sort of average and and real um, and being essentially villains of the book at, at the end of it. And this is a further decon like a further meta exploration of how, art can influence the writer who then can influence more art. And then you can use that against that writer to pull him. You know, it's this very sort of meta twisting of what comics mean and what comics are. I love the, the sense that she ultimately gets the uh, old comic book writer in here to uh, join her because he was like, I, was, I realized, you know, I wrote these pirate stories because I was putting myself into there, taking the action in my fiction that I was unwilling to take in my real life. And at right. my twilight uh, uh, years, uh, I am, I, I don't want to leave without being, being a citizen is important to him. And he has this really, the, the, the two crazy people in this have some really great points in dialogue, especially in that final issue where... Um, the old man, they're, they're both talking to our, our, our FBR agent and he's saying something like, there needs to be a constant conversation between the citizens and the authority power. If that it, it, right. is, it needs to be as personal as a person's internal dialogue to their external dialogue to them. That needs to be the relationship between the proletariat, the citizens and the power. And as soon as we stop paying attention to that conversation or stop having that conversation, that's when things start to crumble. And it's actually a very profound way of thinking about your duty as a citizen. And you think, you know, Tom King having worked with the, having been in uh, the, you know, in the deep CIA or FBI, having been in the CIA, having been in Afghanistan, having been embroiled in, you know, what people thought was, oh, the only reason we went to war there was for oil. And you do all these, oh, we're weapons of mass destruction. Having him be embroiled in all that gives him another perspective. He knows exactly like what was done and how politicians spin what was done. Oh, right. And that's and it's what a really interesting way. A lot too. And I, so let's, let's, 
I want to wrap on one last piece of, of story oh, and maybe a question good. about it Bef- we before we get to okay. art. Well, before, before yeah. we get to art. Um, so I really, I want to kind of talk about this idea of, so we're in this world of Watchmen. Do you think we've had this only one season? We're only getting one season, right? Lindelof, Lindenoff, whatever his name. Oh, I can't remember yeah, his name. Lindenoff he, or Lindoff. <laughs> he's like, I'm doing one. I'm doing one season. That's Good. it. Well done. We're not doing a season two. It doesn't exist, right? We get this Rorschach, which is a self-contained story playing in the world. There's no sequel in this. There doesn't need to be a sequel. What do you think? Do you think that this is a world that's ripe for stuff like this? Or do you think, okay, guys, we've pushed it too far. Let's not do it again. Well, the 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 difference between this because i read i read the before i read the before watchman stuff okay and i didn't really love it right i I read some of of plays i heard osmandus is pretty good it's had like um uh jiley doing the art and uh who was the old guy who created wolverine when or lynn wing Wing. um heard that was pretty good but i i didn't read him The, the difference between this and the other watchman stories is comparatively the stakes in this are very low it really revolves around one assassination of one important person who you could argue isn't established as like it's not like Dr. Manhattan. Like some like in the series, it's like they're trying to kill Dr. Manhattan, right? This is this is much more like at the beginning, the threat is the real the a big threat is taken off the table and it's this detective story. And then there's this twist at the end, uh, which takes something off the board. But in terms of uh like Oh, the world's going to be destroyed or whatever it is. It's very right. small stakes in this. Um, that if he didn't solve this this crime, does anything change whether he does or doesn't solve it other than the particular the player ending, being removed? Right? But maybe yeah. it wouldn't have made any difference anyways, depending on how things worked out. Right, right. I agree with you. Do so you think that feels- would work for an audience? Or do you think that, you know... The, the series had two things going for it. It had the Watchmen characters, which most people didn't know. So most people who were like, I like that Watchmen series, probably had no idea who the Watchmen are. So it stands on its own. And I think Watchmen fans, true Watchmen fans, like we were talking about, are just like, I, I want it to have the, the fever dream storytelling of a Watchmen story, the politicalness. I want it to yeah. bring in disparate elements and somehow make them make sense. So I think it could work, uh, something like this. I think that we've created a world where you can explore the long-term ramifications of a superheroes mm-hmm. having existed and B the boys are doing the right sort, Yeah. Right. And, and B the sort of like what happens to a world after the plot, the squid plot. Right. I think that's a really interesting conversation. Like it's a really interesting world to play in, but I don't know what do you, how do you play with it? beyond what we just got here yeah right what do you do what does a world look like where vigilantes used to be so essential to its protection but they are that we're 30 years past that what lingers you know yeah i wonder if you could explore it in a different because this wasn't really vigilantes in the in the in the in that but i'm curious in this book, you ex- would you not call the kid and them vigilantes on like a political scale Nah, i guess not yeah, not yeah but not this sense. not this not in the same of like street well i guess the first crime. one that she works with is a street style fighting yeah. crime with the first guy that she manipulates but i'm and really she curious, even takes play- a couple people out left and right like oh i did a yeah. bad thing boss <laughs> yeah you could play with this i think you could really play with it i think the owl character would be a fun one to go like who's the new owl right like the third you, owl or you could do Robin. Maybe you do a sort of take on like a a, a Robin person kind of taking the mantle again. There's right? no children of any of those superheroes in this. And I right. fucking loved it. I love the fact yes. that it wasn't like, oh, you're the daughter of the daughter of Silk Spectre. Uh, you're right. the cousin or you're the ex-wife of the, of the owl. You know, it's just, right. it's just the there idea of, of Rorschach. And if you want to believe right. the... If you want to treat it as magical realism, possibly the uh, spirit, spirit of Rorschach. Of War- right? Rorschach. But I do really like the idea of like n- none of those characters are here. We don't get a we don't get a face of and any mentioned. There's not a lot of uh, uh, fan call outs to that stuff either. No, but I think it would be an interesting way to say like, okay, if Rorschach is our sort of like gross 
like character to play with, right? Is that what does he mean? What is and I think what is a what is Rorschach, but what does he mean to you, right? And I think that's what the HBO series plays with really well. Is like what you know, what does what do you see in Rorschach? Exactly. Do you see it as yeah. a positive? Do you see it as a negative? We don't get that here. No, we get sort of Rorschach being a means to an end. But I'm curious as to like, could you do something? I, you know, Warsock is is a, a symbolism for analysis as well. Right. It's like, are you accepting and following, or are you analyzing? Now, you might analyze something, and it might lead to like really scummy, sleazy actions, immoral actions. Right. But it's just like you're a roar. If you're a deep analysis, if you're a guy, a person who analyzes stuff, you fall into a Rorschach camp. You know, right? If you like freedom? Uh, you're probably. <laughs> but I think I find this I think that I, I find this idea of like could you explore the idea of like I think of Batman Inc is a really sort of interesting way that we play with Batman right we've got Batman worldwide interesting and concept spends, spends all of his money could uh, right an interesting concept not not the best I think the first the first volume of Batman Inc I think is interesting but uh beyond that it gets a little like a, there's a bat cow right that mm. gets a little goofy but um <laughs> It's a weird thing. Like, could you explore the idea of the owl in the same way? Could you explore the idea of, is there some benefactor who goes like, you know what? I want to solve the world's problems. I'm going to do it by creating superheroes again mm-hmm. in this world. I think and you I'm do that particular one with Osmandius. I think he's an interesting character. I, I, he was, I really gravitated towards him in the, the watching of the series this week. The Osmandius character, yeah. of course, you have to yeah. play by a fantastic actor, so that it doesn't. Hurt. Oh yes, Jer- uh, it was wonderfully played yes. by Jeremy Irons. But, and it, um, the last but, episodes where he gets what he wants, he's like, "Oh, I'm back to useful," and he's like, "You're like, wow, this guy really just he's it's a weird concept of like he's progressive, but he's just too progressive, right? Like <laughs> you, he's so progressive that he has no." You have no regard for what it takes to get yeah. there. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that's what the Ozymandias was, right? Um, so let's talk, let's talk art. Let's talk art. Okay. Um, Jorge Fornes, what did you think about the art in this man? I, I mean, you we can't talk about the art without talking about the colors as well. And we know we've read so many things uh with uh Dave Stewart on colors that there is nothing that he's colored that I've been like, yeah, I don't like the colors on that. He's yeah, he's a He's a wonderful craftsman. Dave Stewart. What, what did you I think, think about I think a stronger, a more solid color palette, uh, less um, kind of, um, sometimes it gets a little more atmospheric. There are some pretty solid colorings in this. Um, the art itself, I I like. I guess, you know what? I I Maybe this is a compliment, is that I, I didn't see, I wasn't like, oh, this is great art for this story because they seem to be blend really well. It didn't, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't stronger than the story, right? It, it wasn't well, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like uh, that type of thing, or it wasn't weaker than the story. Like Texas blood, I think was a, one of those things we talked about art. And we're like, was this maybe the right choice for this? Can we go a little bit differently than this? Or, you know, uh, and so it really, I'm, this is the first time I'm really kind of looking at it now, as far as like the pencils in stuff are concerned. Um, and so I'm, I'm spinning my wheels here. I'm gonna let you take over and then I will I mean, either agree I, or disagree with what you're saying. Yeah. I think, I think what a book like this needs, because it's not, I mean, it, there is some action in it, but it's not superheroes. It's not flying. It's not fighting giant monsters or anything like that is you need to be able to draw good. Your character work has to be good. Your facial, like your, your facial acting needs to be really good when you're an artist doing a book like this, because there's so much conversation. There's so much people talking to each other that you have to be able to tell stories with facial expressions. And I think he does a really good job with each of these characters giving you something with their face, right? Mm -hmm. He does give you like, there's a scene where they're interrogating each of these people connected to the case, whether it's the, the strong man or the um you know the lawyer, lawyer or, or the psychologist or yeah. The, yeah um and you they're giving you that whole that whole issue is a really interesting issue um as well like if we t- want to talk about form of an issue right uh where we're getting all the pieces of the story and again he does such a good job of 
twisting those faces. Uh, yeah, where he sets you up with your color yeah. palette for each of those three narrators right there right. on one panel. Yes, and and you get and you get this sort of okay. Here is this character. Um, I'm going to paint him one way the entire time. Yes, and then in the final panel, you see sort of their twisted face because you're like, oh shit, they got convinced too. They believe the squid too. You don't see it until that sort of last shot with them. And I don't where, know. Where, go ahead, please. Where they're like giving you their face, like. Um, and when he, when he, he cues them, he goes, I don't believe you. I beat the shit out of you. And he goes, all right. Then, and then they're like, well, then I guess we're kind of done here because that's all you're getting, mofo. Like, like uh, it's, it is you. I've been yeah. waiting for you, right? Like, oh, yeah. crap. This is the sort of like, see, you're the guy now. You're sucked into this so much now that you're one of us. I'd like to say and, that in his art style. Oh, please, because you're, you're continuing that one. No, no, I was just saying, I, th- I, think, that, I think he just does a really good job of... Uh, and a, a book like this needs facial acting, and he does a really good job with these characters. I don't know how much of the panel layout um, is discussed with Tom King and his artists. If if it's the artist's choice, this was really well pa- panel paced. Uh, as far as I think the panel pacing on a story like this is so key. What we're showing and how long we're showing it for, like a beeper for four panels uh, in the middle of breaking up that dialogue, uh, because yeah. there's not it's not an action heavy piece, uh, and so the panel work really has to to get you wanting to read more. So it will be six panels of a guy you know talking on the phone, but somehow it works. So conventionally, you're like you got to put something there. You got to put some like something. You know, I can go a whole issue without flipping the page and having like a big reveal, and yet I'm still reading. And there's got to be something he's doing subconsciously in his panel work that's making me want to read this. I also, Tom King, I also think he's a guy who's done lots of stories where he goes, no, this this is going to be nine panels, and here's why it's going to be nine panels. This page, I want it, I want it broken into six panels, and he he does create really good pacing. What I'm what I'm just surprised at is a book about the Watchmen. Very few times does he do that nine panel grid. And when he does, it is it is sort of a mass. It's it's a great way of reminding you what you're reading. Right. right. I haven't done a nine. I haven't done nine panels in a while. Boom. Here's a nine panel that's going to make you feel like you're reading The Watchmen. Yeah, there's that whole issue that's almost all like these long panels. Remember that one that, you know, the one right. we were talking about where it's all yeah. those nine panels thing? Uh, which yeah. is the reason why I'm like, I don't really like nine paneling. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of it, but, so I'm glad he used it sparingly. Yeah, but I think when it's when you do it well, and I think I don't know that I think that's just the decision that they made when they did the Watchmen. And Dark but Nine. when you do it when you do it well, you really can pace a story and slow it down or speed it up when you break it into those nine panels. Um, and I think when he uses it, he does a really good job of I'm going to shove a bunch of story into these nine panels. I'm going to show you the movement. I'm going to show you the pacing of it. Um, and it's, I don't know, man, it is a, I didn't know that as I was reading it, I'm like, okay, I like this, but is it gonna, is it gonna land for me? Right. Is it going to land? Well, what panel landed for you as far as your favorite panel? Oh man, you know what? This is the thing. Oh, I, I love how you get to just like open the book. That's so nice. I haven't picked a favorite yeah, panel it is from nice. a hard co- hard cover book in a long time. I know. There's one where it's um the comic book artist is he just pulls the mask on, and now I've got to find it because I don't I don't know where it is. But um do you have one yeah. ready, Travis? Uh mine, yeah. this is an image that comes up quite a bit. Uh the one particular place I'm looking at is right now at location 108, uh page 108 actually in the uh comic. It's the bottom panels there, which is a collection of four. Uh it's the the uh the kid getting shot, black uh background, white, uh with the clear blam. You see this a couple of times in there. I really, really like the kid's design, like character costume yeah. design in here. I always have a kind of a thing for like that that uh 1940s now it's almost like uh, bondage west right it's like now it's yeah. like, pe- like penthouse west but done 
like in a way that's it's really cool. I love the kind of sombrero hat, the old school Lone Ranger mask, and to see the silo or silhouette in red getting shot, it's really clean, really crisp, and really uh, sells at home. And they repeat that image throughout there. And every time I saw it, I'm like, ah, I just like it. I'm I'm really into really clean images lately this past yeah. year. There's like a really, it's a really a slight picture, That's and I don't know one. why. I don't know why it stands out to me so much. It's not a giant panel. It doesn't tell a whole lot of the story, but what you get is you get the old man, the comic book artist talking and his word balloons are normal. There there's regular word balloons, but then there's a panel where he puts the Rorschach mask on. And as he's pulling it on, the word balloon changes to the squiggly sort of, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, the that word balloon changes, and he says maybe you should be the one screaming as he's putting the mask on. And he's like in his, you know, his grubby wife beater. He's an old man. As he's like, okay, I got to go back to being Rorschach, and he puts that mask on. And I just, it's a Rorschach, just, Rorschach baby. Rorschach, baby. <laughs> uh, I really dug it. It was fun. It was great. I, I didn't think it would like, I'm like, okay, I like this. Is it going to be what I want it to be? Is it going to find? And then the final ending of it where he presses play on the tape of the speech, the whole ending where like he gets away with it and is able to leave the building after he's done the deed by, I, it was just, it was very, the ending was clever. Mm-hmm. It was a, a really interesting way. And I know I hate doing this because I think comic books are a great medium by themselves. And I think what's really important and why I think this is a compliment is I can play that scene in my head beyond the panels. Right. Right. Like I can play it out in my head and I can hear it and I can see the movement all based on just a couple panels Mm -hmm. they gave to me. I'm like, shit, that would be a good film ending. Yeah. Right. You could just, and then as the credits are coming down, you hear the tape stop, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen in here, but that's how you could hear that sound. And that's when everybody like, you know, you like, like, why is it so quiet in there now? Right. Yeah. Like it, I, it was just a really, it was a really cool, interesting ending. I really dug it. I liked it. It flipped it in a way that I didn't think would happen. Uh, and I, I know that I've said this a bunch of times and I know we've read enough Tom King stuff, but damn, he's such a good writer. He's just a good writer. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's Solid a storyteller. I really like this. This is a very enjoyable week for me between the watching the series and reading this together. I really feel like I got to step into this world that Alan Moore created and get us. It was kind of fun exploring, like, well, how does someone build a world several decades ago, and how do we put something new on it with staying true to the world? It's a very difficult thing to do, yeah. and I got to watch two people expertly do it in different mediums in one week and kind of saturate and myself tell different in stories with it. Right. It very, tell, tell it, yeah. Scope scope is different, the, the, but it Stakes feels, are different. The, yeah. but it feels like Watchmen. It was very, um, uh, in motivating, inspiring, uh, as a storyteller to be like, Oh, you know, sometimes, especially when we live in an age where we're just rehashing stuff, like, I don't like that. I want more of that because you're not doing it the same. You're missing whatever it was. You're just giving me what I think I want. And Tom King, like we said earlier, is the canary in the coal mine. He doesn't give you what you want. He tells you what you need to know. Like here, this is what you, this is the important thing. This is, this is an important piece about this. And I like that as a storyteller is it's almost almost like yeah he's whole he's wholly original at unoriginality <laughs> wow that's <laughs> good that's a yeah. good way to do it i i'm really curious as to like i i think we let's let's i want to end on a question but let's end let's talk before we end on this final this final piece that i've got rolling around in my head who do you give this to travis we well, both really like it. Who do you give it to? I mean, obviously, because I just watched this series, and a lot of people who weren't reading comics did get into Watchmen, whether a significant other was watching it or it was like it started before the pandemic, and then it was one of those things that was out before it got critics loved it. So it got into a lot of people's living rooms that normally aren't maybe into superheroes or into comic books, but they liked the political intrigue and the philosophical discussions in which this. Uh, poses. I think this book is a nice companion piece to that. I don't think that. I know that because I did them both at the same time. So if you (laughs) like the Watchmen series and you're upset that Lindenoff is not going to do any more of them, this is how you can scratch a little bit of that itch. 
I agreed. I think if you like that, this is a really good place to go. I think if you liked Watchmen as in a, as an original piece, this is a good way to have fun in that world that I don't that I don't think sort of stomps on Alan Moore's creation, uh-huh. right? It's not someone else's take on the owl. It's not someone else's take on, you know, um, a Dr. Manhattan or Silk Spectre. It's, it's essentially like, I'm going to play in the world and what are the long-term effects of this world? And I think that's right. really interesting. If you enjoyed any of that, that's good. I want to ask you, so this idea of let's, let's play with a property but not play with the property. Let's play in the. Wait a let's minute. Let's play Josh. in the. What's that smell? Am I smelling? Mm. A, a, it's a bit. It's a bit. It's plucky. It, plucky's not the word. It's not. It's not the plucky's not the word. But it's definitely. Is it, pl- is pl- it pitchy? Pitchy. Is it pitchy. It's a bit pitchy. It be, it's a it's bit, a bit pitchy. pitchy. <laughs> but I don't think I don't. It's hard for me to think of this as a full pitch club. But maybe I'll throw this out there and we go. Okay, that's a pitch club. My thought is, what's a property? Where you would want to play in the world, but not play with the... I mean, this plays with the character, yeah. but not the real character, right? It plays with, like, what does the character mean? Do, What's I, a world I, 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 where you want to play question. in it? It's a great What's question. What's the world? I, I think we do need to bring this to a pitch club. I think we can do this. I think... I can answer right now. I can give you some things. Um, I would... I have one off the top okay, of Okay, go head. ahead. I, I think Sherlock Holmes is ripe to play in the world, okay. but not play opens, with the character. That opens things up. That opens what does it mean... Up. I Victorian, mean, you like post Victorian detective world, uh, where it's someone who studied the great works po- of Sherlock but can't live up to it, right? Or like status and crime, soci- like high society and crime, you know, oh, that's good. How do you play in the world and, and, but not, but live in a, like, how do you play in the world where this thing happened? But it's not happening anymore, right? I th- that's the thing where I go like, there's giant events. Like, what does the world look like after Independence Ooh. Day? And that's a really like shitty thing. But how do you play with the world without playing with the... the... I dumped out the toys. You and I had this big... We played with all the heroes. Then I took them away. And all that's left is the playset. Yeah, what do you put in What do you put in Castle Grayskull when you have no He-Man characters to put in there? Right? Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> that's good man that's good. i don't know what it is but it, it sherlock really is makes good. me think sherlock, the only thing I, sherlock's for the characters it's just missing that big event i like i i think right. i don't think it has to be a big event but i think that's a good training wheels for thinking about a world that can be used for other purposes than the what main do you character. do when the, when the what do you do when the world's greatest detective dies how right. how does how does what and and you you have to play with you have to when you do this you have to imagine that there's a lot of stuff that wasn't written about Sherlock Holmes that happens just like just like Rorschach imagines thirty years of something that happened after Watchmen, mm-hmm. right? So the greatest detective in the world you got to assume that at some point he saved the Queen and he did all of these big giant things and now he's gone. What does the world look like? What is what does the police department of London look like when they can't rely on Sherlock Holmes? I was thinking Mad Max, but Mad Max is too far out there, right? It's not grounded enough reality that we'd have that same thing in there. Yeah, it's just like going into like further into the post-apocalypse. Further into the first post-apocalypse. Man, that's a good question. Right. All right. Well, listen. Don't be surprised if we're we're gonna we're gonna talk this out on how we would do a pitch club around this. It's hard for it's like, hard for like, me to think, but break I, I the think rules it's a fun down. Exercise. Yeah. So, Travis, you you teach English. Yes. There's a bit of creative writing in any English course, right? Right. This is a uh, sort of if you could if you could think of the right structure, you could think of the right story that your students have read or know enough about. That you could we go, are doing okay, what this, happens Josh? after? We are doing what this happens in my after? drama class. Next week, I have an assignment where they have to take a franchise and they have to pitch the next film. So they have to talk about what's like, what is the essential core of it? How, what th- things new would they bring in? Because we're talking about like heightening. How do we heighten something? Mm-hmm. Give the audience what they want and then also be original to it. So not the, not the exact same, but it's that sense of like, I want you to take, how do you take something that is already successful and continue the excess or to bring it to a new level? How do you heighten yeah. on something that's already so heightened? I like that. I like that. So I, it, it is one of those things where it's an interesting story because I think both of these properties do that very, very well. 
They take a they take a world and they take ideas and they play with them. The aftermath. So what's the aftermath, right? How do you play? The Independence in the Day would, in wouldn't stories? be a, wouldn't be a bad one. Like original. Indip- right? Did they do a sequel to that already though? They might have. Yes, oh, okay. they did. They did. It was just ID four two. Just more. Uh, they game. come back. Yeah. They come back. Yeah. Let's bring your main characters back into it. That doesn't count. Your main character yeah, doesn't, doesn't count. The aliens. You have to go enough in the future where they don't exist anymore. Yeah. You have to like re- what we live in a different reality now. The Matrix tried to Play do it, it recently. I didn't watch the movie. Did you watch Me, it? No, I don't watch it. Not really interested it. in doing it. Either. I'm gonna go see Scream tomorrow, though. I'm gonna go see Scream tomorrow. Should be the new. Oh, I saw it. I saw it two weeks ago. Oh, how was? What do you think? Just tell me what uh, you, you think. Want to say it for an episode? I, I I enjoyed it. No. I enjoyed it. I had a great time. Okay, in the I just all I want to know. I just want yeah. to know if you enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're enough of us rambling about the I also, possible discussion. <laughs> yeah. Of I also saw Nightmare Alley, the uh, the Toro movie. Like that oh, one too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to see good. movies, Josh. It's impressive. You don't live in Japan anymore. You can go to movie movies. <laughs> it's not just on base. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, go check out this book. If you enjoyed our discussion, go check out Rorschach. You can find it on Comixology, or better yet, you can go to your local comic book shop and give pick it up. Give this kid Tom uh, King a try. I think he's enough. Yeah, give this. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. He's on to something. He's really going to hit it big. So go read. Go read this book. Go check it out. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, go ahead and rate us or review us on Apple Podcasts, or if you're on Spotify, follow us. Rate us on there. I think you can rate on uh, on Spotify now or something like that. So do that for us. Share it out. Uh, you can always go to the website and check out old episodes at comicexposure.com. Uh, tell your grandma, tell your aunts, tell your uncles, tell your best friend, tell your, I don't know, your uh, college professor about us and and just share the love of the show. Um, we, we enjoy doing this. We're going to keep doing this, whether you share it or not, but it's always fun. Uh, shoot us a message, comic exposure at gmail.com, or you could, I don't know. I get, we have a Twitter that doesn't get used very much, but if you want to DM us there, you can, it's, uh, at comic exposure. We're on Facebook. Yeah. That's, you can can click on the links there. We put some pictures up there sometimes. I mean, Facebook.com. We're not, we're not really social media people for the show, but you know, we would talk to you. Yeah. We'll chat. We're nice people. Unless you're buying we'll comics from Comic Exposure, then we're going to say, fuck right off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to support the show, and or I guess it doesn't support the show, but if you just want to give your money to a good cause, yeah. it goes to charity, and you want to wear some sweet uh, yeah. Comic Exposure gear, you should go check that out. There's a new t-shirt up. Yeah, that uh, one goes to mental health. I forgot what the society yeah. was called on there. But I think like, so we all a, need a little bit uh, of that a, now. <laughs> a, no, a no effects homage. Oh, uh, speaking of which, have you listened to Fat Mike's new podcast, Fat Mike's Fat Mike? Came out and yeah, he's got like four time. episodes on it. Check it out. It's oh, half an hour. Really great. Oh, he does. That's all I need. All really I great, need is a half an hour. Really great podcast theme song. Possibly the best. Oh, fantastic! My name well, is Fat Mike, and I'm a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why is the why did the cat get so fat? <laughs> um, so you you should go do that. Uh, follow us, all those good things, uh, and we appreciate you listening. And folks, uh, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see. We got a what? We got a bunch of books come, that we're going to be doing. I know it because I keep reading them and I keep going. Oh shit, we're going to read that one. Yeah, okay, uh, I, I just picked it up. Seems like we got a good list. It seems like I, I mean we got a, so far. We've had some ooh, fingers crossed. We've had some real bangers this year. <laughs> this has been this has been the last couple of books have been real good. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I haven't read a stinker yet. I'm, so, I'm, uh, and and we'll, we'll, I'm almost hesitant to be like, oh, let's try this thing that's unvetted. <laughs> because I'm I've got yeah. one that okay. I was like, I don't know. But I read it and I was like, well, damn, that's good. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Follow us on the internet or wherever, and we'll see you next trade. <laughs>